Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. sense of anticipation and greatness. It could be a movie about baseball or another edition of Filmically Perfect wherein the film guys hit one out of the park. Hello, I'm Nikki Dakota. It is a pleasure to be here and it is also a pleasure to be welcomed in the studio by the film guys. First, the largest frame brain on the planet, the possessor of the most new movie trivia knowledge of any human being. Also, our man at the Library of Congress, nitrate film archivist, he is George Williman. George... Play ball! <laughs> also on your radio left, the storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers for every movie since Raised in Arizona and many, many movies that we know and love. He's talented. He's sweet. He's our film guy. He's J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd. Baseball's been very good to me. <laughs> we have gathered together today to see one of the finest uh, games, the American pastime game, as played out in the lives and not just uh, on the field of the uh, people in the cast of The Natural. The Natural. 1984 uh, film directed by Barry Rainman Levinson. Barry Rainman Levinson. Now, I know this name. Uh, I often do not at all recognize the director's names in the films that you gentlemen bring to us. Tell, uh, what else? Uh, how do I know this Tin name? Men. Uh-huh. Tin Men. Uh, Diner. Diner. This is one of the oh. first big ones. Um, of course. Yeah, really memorable. <laughs> yeah. Really oh, no, he did Bugsy, I think. Oh, Bugsy. Bug- Avalon. I actually saw that. I saw I that. I think he did Bugsy, did he not? Yeah. Um, I, no. I think that was that. <laughs> now, wait a minute. He is uh, notable on many, many accounts, and uh, not the least of which for this perfect movie, 1984 is The Natural. It's Robert Redford. It's Robert Duvall. It is uh, a nice collection of people that also includes one of my favorite actresses, Glenn Close. Very versatile, and the in this case very sassy and dastardly. Oh, I'm so right. He did Bugsy in nineteen. He did Bugsy. Okay, you got me. Why? <laughs> I can't believe it. I got in front of George. One only. How Mark, did that happen? I Mark that. this date this on your calendar. Never. It happened. is the first. Revel in it. <laughs> the frame brain, but now you revel in it, white boy. <laughs> hey, his but frame now... brain just went. <laughs> no, but that one empty spot is now full, so he is now complete. <laughs> you won't get me again on that one. That's for sure. Unfortunately, I must admit that I worked with a lot of people on this movie because this is right when I got into the business. Back in, you, know, you were just starting, just getting in the business and raising Arizona, yes, and I was. Uh, working with the Coen Brothers, and just so this was a golden era for you and a golden era. There was a there was a baseball movie epidemic Every day. for Every a day while. Really? A new baseball movie, baseball movie. It was really, Wasn't you know, there? I swear, you know, Bull Durham was coming out, uh, Field of Dreams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dream. And, and that um, movie, by the way, has that in it. League of Our Own. Yeah. Wilma Gets a Glove. <laughs> oh, that wasn't. That was a television show, wasn't it? Wilma Gets a Glove? <laughs> <laughs> well, this was chief among them. May even have led the charge. This preceded most of the titles we just mentioned, correct? Wilma Gets a Glove? Yeah. It was before it, correct? Give it up. Yeah. <laughs> just go ahead and let that one go, J. Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I forgot. It was a doctor show. It was a momentous <laughs> year uh, in many ways, not the least of which uh, the release of this movie. And, and and it's a beautiful, beautiful collection of images. But before we get into exactly how beautiful and exactly the very interesting um, 
Detod pointed out that the couple of uh, dualities, these like parallels of the game and the movie about the game. I didn't point them out well, yet. It's very and, and cool. Well, to, to me earlier, well, and, and I do s- thank and you. Speaking of duality, we're also going to talk a bit about the two different versions Ooh, of yeah. the Yeah, We're not going to talk too much about it because the original version is far superior. And there was ways. a director's cut out not director's long ago. What year? 2004. Five, 2005 and and the film guys do not recommend this version no, because we're sure he was sitting around and can't keep up with that opulent lifestyle <laughs> i got an idea i'll do a recut of this movie <laughs> but the original 1984 release is perfect and it, it's perfect for very specific reasons then when you have rules and those rules are <laughs> le naturel is a perfect movie because it creates the baseball park or world that it exists in and it wholly sustains that world or part of the changes in society it retains its meaning and entertainment value and the natural will never be placed in a preferential or numerical order it is perfect by its own scale a home run yes as we would say. <laughs> and don't look for it in the standings because it's not <laughs> so the natural stars a very beautiful very handsome i would call this to be the prime of robert redford go ahead, yeah, go ahead. he's just that. so sure. handsome so good no looking. he's still i think it's one of the last movies where he did get to play handsome and where he actually he's a high riding guy actually um he was you know he even plays himself as a young man with some very creative lighting um, they didn't digitize you know, the yeah. you know, yeah, he plays did. the like the young Roy Hobbs heading off to his first baseball dream. So, if you would, George Willeman, tell us about Roy Hobbs in this uh, the arc of the action in this film. Right, the it's natural fifty in this movie. The natural is the story of Roy Hobbs, uh, <laughs> the best there ever was. Best there ever was, and he's a, a young Midwestern kid um, whose father teaches him. You know, with baseball, father dies. Uh, when Roy is very young, and shortly after after his father dies, lightning strikes a tree in their front yard and splits it. Which was also the tree the father died under. Right. Yeah. So. Oof. Um. And yeah, so that Roy was a Superman version of the re-edit. Right, so Roy <laughs> um, chops out the heart of this tree and whittles it down into a bat that he burns the name Wonder Boy and a lightning bolt into. Um, Roy goes off. For um, he gets called to um, to be on a baseball team as a young man, and he heads out on this cross country train trip. I, I believe they're heading for Chicago uh, with his old manager, and they meet up on the train with this famous baseball player and this um, uh, sports writer Max Mercy, who's played by Robert Duvall, and they get into kind of a, a contest and. Um, basically, it turns out they, that when the train stops for a, a, a water break, the Whammer and Roy go toe to toe, and the bet is that he can pitch out, he can like strike out the Whammer on the three pitch balls. The Whammer is a, a really good looking impression of Babe Ruth, right? Played by Joe Don Baker, better known as Walking Tall. Walking Tall, where he carries a big stick. Right. So Roy does manage to strike out the Whammer. Um, which is great, and it's you know it's sort of the defining moment for him. He strikes out the best player there ever was in the game, and so they get back on the train. But he also sort of catches the eye of this sort of mysterious woman, Harriet Bird, played by Barbara Hershey, who uh, in this first little soundbite um, sort of comes and has dinner with him on the train and begins talking about what it is to be a sports hero. <laughs> 
Hello. I'm Harriet Bird. And the way everyone rallied around you. They'll be talking about today for years to come. It was just like watching Sir Lancelot jousting Sir Turquine. Or was it Maldemar? I'm not sure. Uh... Have you ever read Homer? Homer? Um... Well, only Homer I know has four bases in it. <laughs> Homer lived ages ago and wrote about heroes and gods. Oh. And he would have had it in mind to write about baseball had he seen you out there today. You know what, someday? I'm gonna break every record in the book. I know I got it in me. And what will you hope to accomplish? When I walk down the street, people look at me and say, there goes Roy Hobbs, the best there ever was. This is Bub back before enhancement drugs were making players bigger and faster, of course. It was all dreamlike. Sure, natural, now human you just talent. Now you just order your drugs and you know, a better hitter. You know? So he was normal size. That's right. This. Roy, Roy get, well, his ego was was in, was enhanced, but yeah. his, he was Well, this is the thing yeah. that his father would say to him, correct? Right. Yeah. Well, Roy gets to Chicago, but before he's even able to play ball, he is actually gunned down in a hotel room by Harriet Bird. Who then leaps out the window to her death. Yeah. She lowers her veil before she shoots him. You know, really cool. Mm. So time goes by, like some almost 20 years go by. And the the story of the, of the film starts with Roy coming to Chicago again. He's much older. Um, he's never played baseball. He's just kind of vanished off the face of the earth. But he's been given a second chance to play with a team called the Chicago Knights. Which is, of course, or excuse me, New York, Knights. New York Knights. I'm sorry, he's a New York Knights, um, and uh, the team is 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 run by a Wilford Brimley yes. of Quakeros and Richard Farnsworth, <laughs> another great old character. Who started his movie career so late? You can't believe it. Which I love. I love that idea. And they are a terrible team. They're having a <laughs> terrible time in in the game, and they're falling apart. And the management of the ballpark wants it that way because they want to get rid of Wilford Brimley, take over the ballpark, and I don't think they ever say exactly what they want to do with it. But they just, you know, they want the team to be trashy. So the scout has chosen Hobbs because he's like an ancient guy coming into the game when most people are retiring, and he doesn't realize that this guy actually does have some talent behind him. So the old uh, the old um, manager will not play him. He's like, you know, okay, I'll pay your your you know, your contract, but I'm not going to play it. Finally, though, he's kind of forced into it, and they're amazed when, you know, the first time out, Roy just hits this ball out of the park. And uh, so they get him into a game, and he just, it's amazing, the transformation of the team. Um, so he's having all the wrong effect, according to yeah. the plan of the... And, and the team is the team is coming together. They're starting to, to hit and pitch and catch better, and it's driving the, the head of the uh, the judge who owns the majority of the team is played by by the always wonderfully evil Robert Prosky, who um, is evil. It's driving him nuts because you know he wants the team to go down. So they put forward actually the the uh, coach's niece Memo Paris, who is played by the, the uh, luscious Kim Basinger, mm. and she romances him. She's addicted to pleasure, right? And and it's interesting because as soon as he starts shacking up with her basically he begins to drop off as a ball player he starts striking out and missing and and everything like that 
And along with Memo and the judge, there's a third character, Gus, played by Darren McGavin, uh, another great, uh, Whom sadly, work with. sadly mm. missed uh, character He left his actor. aftershave all over my pencils one day when he stopped by to see me. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, I shook his hand and I smelled his cologne for the rest of the day. And then I came back and I discovered that he had written something my pencils so I could, buy, so I could smell aqua velva I kind of like pencils. that <laughs> it's like the spirit of Gavin yeah so Gus is a is a gambler and a kind of a bookie and he's always looking for the the trick and the deal and at a party he kind of corners Roy Hobbs and kind of offers him a little bit of a not exactly honest um deal shall we say you can't build on what you don't <laughs> it's really nice to know a guy like you worry so much about a guy like me. Please, please, Mr. Lane. I'm just bringing it up because I know the memo's crazy about you. I mean, I wouldn't like to see a loser to a better provider. Fame isn't enough, kid. I'll take my chances. Why should you? We can all profit from these little chats. I mean, take tomorrow, for example. Tomorrow? I wouldn't bet against me. You're missing the point, kid. I already have. Mm. Now, early on in the film, early on in the film, in the the flashback that occurs in, at the beginning, uh, we find that um, that Roy, as a child, had a, a childhood friend, a girl that lived across the road from their other farm, named Iris. And there's a scene that when when Roy is heading off to Chicago the first time. Um, Iris gives him more than a goodbye kiss, shall we say. <laughs> and he leaves a little something behind. He leaves a little something behind for her to remember him by. <laughs> um, and as the film progresses into the into the modern story, uh, when Roy and the Knights get to Chicago, we meet Iris again. She is now a, a Chicagoite, and she has a son mm. who's about 16 years old. Just about the time he left. And kind of blonde. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Roy reconnects with Iris, not in that way. Just they just meet again, and uh, and and actually, she at one point when he's doing so bad in the game, she stands up and she basically her her aura and literally around her. It's an amazing yeah, shot. Helps him. It's a halo shot. It's yeah. beautiful. They, it's a fairy tale. They establish it right up front. It's a fairy tale. When they got the hook set in your mouth, yeah. they can do just about anything you want. Uh, She's sitting in the crowd with a. Halo. Right. <laughs> Gee, could she be the angel that is here to rescue him? I think so. But I to, think to so. Wrap, to wrap this up so we yeah. can actually talk about the movie, yeah. um, and I won't give away the ending on this, okay. uh, but it, it just basically what happens to him next to sort of throw us into the third act is the wound that he sustained at the beginning of the film from Harry Bird begins to come apart and is, is damaging, has caused damage to his stomach, and there's a possibility that if he continues playing baseball, he will die. Die. Planned obsolescence. It's and we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. I mean, most people have seen this movie, but those of you who haven't, you have to see it to see what happens. The it's end. The Natural, 1984's uh, Barry Levinson-directed film starring Robert Redford, Robert Duvall, Glenn Close, and Kim Basinger. And um, it's it's a baseball movie, but with a twist. And I really loved what J. Todd said to me just before we started recording about that. It's not just about the game. Well, it's... Baseball is a very convoluted game, and, and they make a lot of movies about baseball because you go the wrong direction. You can have different field sizes. Um, you're not allowed to cut across the pitcher's mound, as we saw last year when that pitcher in New York got really upset when, mm. they, when he walked across there. If somebody gets hit by a ball, you hit him back. You make a lot, a lot of movies about this stuff, and, and it's there's a easy. Lot of, yeah. and all these characters, which they have quite a few of, 
they they go through this movie and they're like baseball players. They're all either throwing at uh, at your boy there, yeah, Robert Redford, or <laughs> else they're trying to strike him out, or else and they're hardly ever playing with him. And there's a develop in in Los Angeles on, on a couple of movies back. A development guy once told me that most of the movies that you watch always deal with the the protagonist is his first day off the job, like his life has been interrupted, and it's his first day back on the job. A lot of times you see movies. This is a perfect example of that movie uh, where Robert Redford has been interrupted. It's like only the gods want. Robert Redford to be a great baseball player. Nobody wants him <laughs> to play baseball. <laughs> and uh, even Wilford Brimley, his coach, doesn't want him. But he overcomes like Homer. The odds, yeah, exactly. Um, it becomes and, – and a lot of people who write about this film, talk about this film, talk about the, sort of the classical liter- literature – that plays a part in the story, you know, the, the, having the team called the Knights, sword in the stone kind of thing, kind of thing. the Bat Wonder Boy, even know. the prodigal son nature of his return after all this time and come right. back. To and then there's a couple times when when he hits his first big homer, the, yeah, the lightning, no, the, the lightning flashes across the sky as he hits his hits the first ball. Which, by the way, is this, there's there's just a, a huge amount of backlighting in this film. Now, Not just that shot, but also... We're going to talk thinking... about that. Yeah. One of the things that makes this movie so incredibly special is this magnificent cinematographer, Caleb Deschanel. Deschanel. Deschanel, yeah. His daughter is a big singer now. So uh, Oh, Zoe. so, okay, Zoe Deschanel. I was I saying Deschanel. Yeah. Is it Deschanel? Deschanel, yeah. Deschanel. Well, right. I believe that's his daughter, mm-hmm. if I'm wrong. Yeah, Zoe, know, Zoe um, is his daughter. But yeah. any, when I got into the business, he was the talk of the industry because this is the only movie that I know of. And my you know, apologies to Mr. Levinson. It's hard for for the direction of this film to keep up with the cinematography. He upstages <laughs> the direction on this movie in every shot. Every shot tells a little bit faster, bigger story than the director does. And Robert Redford doesn't exactly say a lot in this movie. No, Roy Hobbs is an incredibly tacit character. It's notable that he's he very hardly quiet. says a word. He you know it's hard to drag a you know I mean there's not a long sentence in his entire speech he's often reacting yeah and here's the other thing that makes this movie what it is is randy newman's score Mm -hmm. the the sparkling music you know sometimes i hear that and i I just want to you know like lenny and my cement start swatting at the sky (laughs) so this is already what 25 26 27 years ago Mm -hmm. and and this Mm -hmm. was uh according to you gents really one of the sort of the pivotal that, that nailed him down as a soundtrack uh, presence, right? I was one of, one of the first. Yeah. It's one of the first times I really noticed him. I mean, Before I ran I was, right out. I ran right out and bought yeah. the album. Now I, I don't know. I can't. Album. I can't back the date up. I think his song "Short People" was the. the the hit before this. That was it earlier. Was. That yeah. It was earlier. 70s, I think. Yeah, That's yeah. when we finally figured out who Randy Newman was. Yeah. But it, combined with this incredible cinematography and the music, and then, of course, Robert Redford does. It's so easy I mean, on he's the eyes. a bankable commodity for the women in the box office. Yeah. And, and then Kim Basinger, she's at the top of her career. She's looking pretty deadly, you know, at this. And then you got Robert Duvall. And, right. and you got stalwarts like Duvall and Robert Prosky and, and Darren McGavin. Um, and Brimley and yeah. Farnsworth, you know, Farnsworth's they're all really like, good, solid like people. Cages. Now, you know, Wilford Brimley, this is back when he was hot. He was doing Cocoon, and that my very first movie before 
I met the Coens, I did. He was on it with Robert Mitchum, and oh, and wow. he was um, pretty much the same Quaker Oats guy we know him now. <laughs> you know, it's you know. It, it, here's the unfortunate situation in this movie with Wilford Brimley. He's getting a massage. I want to stay away from that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Fast. <laughs> But right fast past that. Yeah. Fast forward past that. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's, 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 now, if we well. can return to the, the cinematography just for a second here. Okay. One, one of the things in cinematography, there's a there's a short time during the day called golden hour. Golden hour. We call it Which, tragic hour. Right. That's what it's really called. Because you, it's like the hour before dark. Before the sun actually the sun crests actually, the edge right. of the... And everything gets sort of a golden glow. This film looks like the entire thing was shot at golden hour. So it's a very sought after. You have to plan everything so that you've got, you've got yeah, the yeah, action That little window of opportunity. Tiny That's why little they, thing. Yeah, we call it tragic hour because... If you don't get it, it's tragic. tragic. Is that right? Tragic, yeah. And because there, right. there are scenes There are scenes in here, I mean, there are single shots that are just so exquisitely oh. beautiful. You it's, can't even imagine it. Just when you go out and you see a lot of movies, you come back and you see this. It's pretty much like the right stuff because he shot that he shot the right stuff all yeah. it's so beautiful those x1 scenes and uh, this guy is just he's like one of the true uh cinematographer geniuses in our business we're talking about the natural uh 1984's the natural starring robert redfold and and stalwart actors and an amazing cinematographer fabulous now, unfortunately, soundtrack we got to talk about something else what yeah. is that they 23 have... years <laughs> After this film came out and was a huge hit in the theater. Yeah. So, so you would and think, it's still why would beautiful. you? It's and it's beautiful. It's cut in your mind. Yeah. And you know what it looks like. We've all got it emblazoned on our brains what this film looks like. Barry Levinson, in an interview uh, on, the, on the new director's cut, says that he was rushed to get the film out and had to wrap it up quickly and was never happy with the way the first act occurred, which is the, the sort of the prologue and how Roy Hobbs became Roy Hobbs. You see him with the father and with right. the, the girl. And... Uh, so he went back and was given given the green light by Columbia, I guess, who owns this film, to go back and recut the whole film. Now, the most the most change comes in the first 20, 30 minutes in the yeah. prologue, but there are little things added throughout yeah, the little, film. I think, did they scenes. add that makeout scene when he goes in the phone booth with that fan and he's making out with her? You're just making that no, up. No, 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 no. Really? In there. It's in there. It's, okay. He's in a train... This girl wants to speak to you, Roy, and he goes over there and makes out with her in the phone booth. I don't think that that's in there. Really. No, so, yeah, that's right. Is that, it almost primarily additions that there, he's there added certain, things in? There are certain additions. There are certain subtractions yeah. also. You know, when he's in the hospital, they extended that. And he, right. But the thing was that the opening in the original, the original opening of the film, it starts out with Roy, you know, current Roy sitting on the train platform, and then it fades out, and it does the entire flashback sequence in one big glob yeah. you know it goes just goes through and then it ends and then he's arriving in at the night stadium in new york in 1939 now it's gone back and he's done sort of like a, yeah, you, you ask know, yourself like a godfather two kind is of thing it where returned it's, to bountiful no 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 is it sword in the stone no 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 mm-hmm. is it glenn ford and superman having a heart attack no Why, all, this be, all these scenes are just a little longer but they seem Really long. So it because it could be said to have been a self indulgence to do this. It's gilding the lily, basically, because, like I said, the film as it stood, Works there was great. nothing wrong with it. He, I mean, he had to go in there and tell entirely too much for this backstory. It was fine. Yeah, um, it's like yeah. asking for more blood in a in a fight scene. No, we don't know. I guess so. I'm, you, you may not know, but do you suppose it just weighed on him that he just really felt cheated from the it beginning? It probably did. I mean, I mean, Spielberg said that he felt the same way about Close Encounters uh, that he was rushed to get it out for Christmas, 
And uh, so years later, he was allowed to go back. And it's funny, it was Columbia Pictures again. And he was allowed Those to go guys. back. He was allowed to go back and re-edit it. But they said, the only way you can do it is you can show us that, you know, what's in the spaceship at the end. So. Sadly, the movies that need to be re-edited are The Losers. And, you know, they might have needed another extra screening, you know, so because, the, yeah. but you never see those. They always take the winners back they there. They make a and perfect movie. Why? Because there's, it's in their heart to make a better picture. No. It's for money. It's the magic emollient in the movie business. Uh, I mean, and, and this day, if we want to, you know, get on a higher soapbox now, this is, this is sort of an issue, <laughs> becoming an issue now with, now that we're in this era of digital editing. Of course, when when Barry Levinson did The Natural, it was all film, film. editing. You know, they had to be physically editing. cut right. just to remind people they were born uh, after a time when digital was uh, mm-hmm. the de rigueur. There was a time the, you had to put your hands but on now, film. But now, you know, you everything is done digital. So, I mean, a director could make as many different versions the, of here's his own the problem. film as he wants. Here's the basic problem with that is they have entirely too many options in front of them. The deal on movies is to eliminate your options and and chop your film down, not add more options to make more decisions. And that's what happens in digital editing. It's easier to cut a scene. What took maybe 15 or 20 minutes on film back when it was made could take three or four minutes now on our little Apple computers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it's always interesting when you see these films and as an addition, they will put scenes that were cut as an extra. It's always interesting to see those films, but nine times out of ten, you can go... All right, I see exactly why that was taken out. Now, some of the footage in in the new version of The Natural, it's very extraneous. There's no, I mean, it's an interesting scene. There's a scene where Duvall's character is testing a bat to see about about the viability of Wonder Boy. Interesting scene, doesn't need to be in there. Yeah, they should put a little um, graphic in there. 25 push-ups now. The way to do it would be to just re-release it with all the deleted footage as a bonus. Doesn't They do that now, too. They do that, too. And they do extra endings. Anything to sell the picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Filmically Perfect taking a close look at the natural uh, 1984 Robert Redford vehicle. And um, and they're recommending that version, not the director's cut. uh, Yeah, yeah, and the trick is it's going to be really hard to find the original version. It's hard to find it. Okay. It's like those Russian photographs. They try to eliminate stuff, you know. (laughs) Gentlemen, we are quickly running out of time, but can we take a quick overview of the rules here? Well, I think it it definitely creates a world. It does. It makes it. It takes baseball and turns it into a whole new world, and they set the tone. And also, fairy tale, folks. And the 1930s. I don't think the. I don't think 1939 ever looked this good. Mm. It is a fairy tale. Fairy tale depression. They used. (laughs) At the time they were doing this movie, they were building a lot of new stadiums to look like old stadiums where they spend a good amount of time is at Wrigley Field. Yeah. Now you'll notice here it is 2011 and we have a lot of fields that look like Wrigley Field mm-hmm. now. You, yep. know. Oh, you think it's this movie? It's part of it. It's part of people <laughs> I think wanting this that. Did, I think this did ignite the the desire in people to go back to baseball's roots because you see people, you know, guys wearing the nice uniforms. The problem here again. Is, they, is nobody wears their socks right now. They wear pajamas. Barry Bonds pajamas. <laughs> they, 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 what? You look at this movie, man. They're wearing their baseball socks, right? So you can see them run around the bases. You know? uh, oh, but now I see. they wear pajamas. I see. They were the they are the slobs of the universe. Now baseball players are these guys look great. They look like baseball players. They do look great, and I do believe that people will be looking at these guys looking great for many years to come. It's a perfect movie, and uh, I fully concur. It's the film guys uh, laying that that perfect distinction upon it. Gentlemen, thanks so much for coming by. Nikki Dakota saying goodbye to the beloved J Todd Anderson. J Todd, bye bye. It's a home run! Huge Willamette, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hot dogs. Get your cold hot dogs.
Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.